My message this morning is, is taken from Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. Right, Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. We're still carrying through our, our, our developing our culture of discipleship. So there are, there are three questions that I want to put to you. Can we pass the papers out, please? So if you were asked to describe church, what would you say? So the first question is this. If you, now, note the piece of paper is it's, it's, it's small, so I, I, I'm not looking for an essay. I'm not even looking for a paragraph. I'm looking for a really brief one-word description, two-word description that's good enough. Second question is, where would you go to obtain that description? And my third question is this. If I were asked, or if you were asked to describe church using only the Bible, nothing else. Only the Bible and nothing else. Not your friend's idea or what others are saying, not even your personal experience. Highlight, not even your personal experience. Just the Bible. What would you say? Okay, can I, could I please have whatever that's been handed in? I'd love to just read a few. Thank you. Thank you, now I'll, okay. Number one, can we go to the question number one? Thank you. If you were asked to describe church, what would you say? People and fellowship. A house of worship, Christians like to gather to fellowship in their shared love of God. My goodness me. How amazing. Okay, great. Question number two. What would, where would you go to obtain the description? So one answer here is the church. They would go to the church to obtain the description. They would go to the church to obtain the description. Uh, Question mark. Don't know. I love that answer. (laughs) The word of God, the Bible. Oh, smarty pants. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. (laughs) (laughs) There's always one in the crowd. They will go to the church or a group of people who love Jesus. Uh, okay. If, if I were to ask you to describe church using only the Bible and nothing else, how? Not, not your friends and all of that. What would you say? How would you describe God's, how would you describe from the Bible, God's bride? Church is a group of people who are called out by God to be the body of Christ. So, friends, here, and I'm sure, oh, there there are a few here. A love letter from God. This is the smartest person amongst all. What would you say? What would your description be? Can I meet this person after service, please? <laughs> I want to give you a high five and more than that. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> it's coming soon. <laughs> a place of worship being equipped 
being equipped and edified, instructed by the word. So, the house of God. So these are, thank you so much for this. Uh, we've spent quite a few minutes to do this, and uh, I, I really wanted to take time to read, read through your answers, and, and so appreciate what you've written, because it just now gives you an understanding, gives you and I an understanding of, of this aspect that we call church, and often people, people are asking for the right description. And our description could be so many things. It could come from our personal experience. Oh, because I've heard statements like this, oh, I'm, I'm sick of church. So they ask you to describe church. What is church? I'm actually quite tired of church. I, I don't think I need to go to church every week. Right? And so I want to, I want to leave this description. If church is the bride of Christ, someone mentioned that. Right, so if church is the bride of Christ, and if you look at the aspect of the context of marriage, that we are, we're married to Christ, amen? We are the bride, and he comes for us. So this is, it's, a, it's a marriage. We're consummated with him in knowing him. So if, if the church is the bride, imagine a marriage, imagine a couple that journeys together, and all they do is just live together but they decide not to get married. Because, man, the commitment is just too huge. Let's just, you know, it's, 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 it's nice for us just to be journeying together like this. I mean, after all, you know, if I have an issue, I'll just walk out. If you have an issue, you can just walk out. You know, there's no stress. There's no real major demands on one another. We enjoy one another's company. Let's just live together. How many would really enjoy doing that? How many women would really, as a bride, really, really enjoy doing that? Most probably you may, because you may have been hurt or abused, or you may have had a bad experience. That could be. There could be various reasons you do that, but wouldn't you want to be in a relationship where someone would, would come to you and say, I, w- I want to marry you. I want to commit my life to you. So why is church if it is the bride, not then viewed as that, that I can go when I want to. It's just a de facto relationship that I have with church. I don't need to be committed. I don't need to be here every week because I'm not going to be missed anyway. I don't think my presence is all that important. You know, they, they're not really going to be... You know, so there could be several reasons that go through our mind, Right? And so I want us to turn to Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to verse 47. I want to try and quickly take you through this because I want to give us an opportunity today to hopefully stay back a little bit and do what this passage of Scripture says. Right? So I'm reading from the NLT, and I'll read from a couple of different versions. All the believers... Devoted in verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense in verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them, came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. 
all while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship. And in some versions it says, and added to the church, those who were being saved. Now, Peter preaches a message here. And some versions say that he, and he used some fairly strong words and he preached. And his preaching was repent. That was, that was his preaching. His preaching was you need to repent. And then they said, and they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were baptized. So they repented and then they were baptized. And there were 3,000 people that came on that day. 3,000 people were saved that day and were added into the church. Right? It didn't say anything else. It said they were added to the church. And so if we look at, at the, the writer of Acts is, is Luke, and he wrote the Gospel of Luke as well. And within the Gospel, he describes the life of Christ. But within the book of Acts, he begins to describe the work of the Holy Spirit. Right. So we see that there, the work of Christ, and then when Jesus left, he said, I will send a comforter. So he carries this thought through right into the book of Acts where it is this whole description of what it means now to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Right. What it means to experience now the Holy Spirit in our, in, in our lives and what, what will he do? Because he's going to be there with us everywhere. He's like our bodyguard. He's like our security officer. He's, he's our friend. He's our confidant. He's there all the while our comforter. Our paraclete is there journeying with you and I, showing you. And, and you know, the, 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 the word of the Lord says this, and the spirit will guide you in all truth. Right. He will guide you and I into all truth. So if he's guiding you and I into all truth, what then is the description of church? That must go beyond your experience. That must go beyond your hurts. That must go beyond someone else's mindset of what church is. It has to. It has to because otherwise we would not be able to, to describe this church to those who are yet to believe. And they are wanting, they are wanting to know what is so amazing about church. They want to know from you and I. And when we then conclude and convey and communicate, I'm tired of church. You know, it is said that, that the Christian army is the only army that knows how to shoot, shoot its own soldiers. You know? We tend to do that, and we tend to do that quite well. You know, I put myself in that. I'm not saying this you, I'm saying we. Right? So this is a message for us. I, I totally include myself in this. And it is one of those messages that I, I feel I'm scared to preach. Because as you go through this passage of scripture and see what they did. They shared, they sold, they gave, everything was in common. There was something powerful that was that was present in their midst. Let's look at a let's look at another version. Let's look at the Amplified. The Amplified says is they were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles and to fellowship, to eating meals together and 
prayers. A sense of awe then came upon them. See, the, a deep sense of awe came over them all. And here, a sense of awe was felt by everyone. And many wonders and signs, in brackets, attesting miracles, were taking place through the apostles and all those who had believed in Jesus, the, in Jesus the Savior. So, what was the world like behind this text? What sort of a world was that then, at that, at that point in time? He lived, Luke lived in, in Antioch in, in Syria, which is now known as Turkey, which was an important center in the Roman Empire. Now, Antioch was also one of the earliest centers where they had referenced Christianity. That was one of the, one of the early centers. So the city had a multicultural society, like, like where we live in. It had this multicultural society, and Christians who lived there were both Jews and Gentiles. There were tensions now between these groups and these multicultural groups. There was tension there. So particularly with the Jews and the Gentiles and several other groups within, within the Gentiles. And it assembled to, as it assembled to follow, so the Jews believed that it assembled to follow traditional, traditional devotions and practices, including circumcision, Sabbath observance, as well as dietary and, and, and purity regulations. The Gentiles, on the other hand, saw no need for the old ways. So the destruction, and furthermore, the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem by the Romans was a major blow in the confidence level of both the groups. And so this devastation, this, this thing that happened, this, 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 this shocking thing, like what we've heard in Sri Lanka, this destruction now shook their faith in God and in the God of Israel. Not in the God of the Israelites, in the God of Israel. That's different from the God of the Israelites. Because we are grafted into that. We are the spiritual Israel. So he's our God. Amen. He's ours. He's ours. And, 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 and so, within the, within, the, within, the books, within the book of Acts, Luke now, he's showing how is this work of Jesus now going to continue through this frame, through this mind, through this backdrop of what's been happening and what has happened, he now begins to write and begins to share with everyone now, you and I, what, how is this work now continuing? So the, the continuing work of Jesus Christ within the early church to help the community begin to understand God's amazing plan that was foretold in, in the history of Israel, Israel in itself. And that this plan is now being, un, is, is, is unfolding, is unfolding before their very eyes, is unfolding. So they see this in the book of Acts now. Jesus is gone, destruction of the temple. We experience this power. We experience this miraculous aspect. But some things needed to happen. So you are getting now a group of people who understood who followed Christ, who understood the law and all of that, and who were believers. Some were already believers. And then Peter comes, he preaches, and a brand new group of people that come. 3,000 of them. To this group of people, 
And this is what I want to submit to you here today. That what this verse is talking about is this new group of people that come to the Lord are now experiencing this. They were continually and faithfully devoting themselves to the instruction of the apostles and to fellowship, to eating meals together and to prayers. So there were four things that described the church. Four things, right? Now the four things were they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Because at that point in time, they had bits and pieces. And so as they began to, as they began to, as, as they began to take heed of the apostles' teaching, they were hungry. They wanted that more and more, right? And then it said, devoting themselves to the instructions of the apostles and then to fellowship or we know this as koinonia. You, you may have heard this term, koinonia, right? It's a Greek term that means fellowship. It means, it means intense fellowship, right? And eating meals together was the third aspect, and the fourth aspect is prayers. Now, when you read a lot of commentaries, you find that many of them tend, not, tend to omit, tend to only highlight two aspects, Devoting themselves to, to doctrine, to the apostles' teaching, and to prayer. But they don't seem to highlight the second and third aspect, which is fellowship and eating meals together. Because it seems like as if it's an unimportant, unnecessary aspect. But this is the, the, the meat within the sandwich. That's right. This is what that brings things together. That's right. Without that, our Christian walk is really nothing much. A survey was done in this church. 35 or 37 people responded to this survey. One of it was that we need more connectedness. We need community. There's insufficient community. Based on that, so based on your response to us, we took it, we discussed it. Last week, we had a newcomer's lounge right there for the first time. And it was like a beehive. People were in there. It was, they were connecting. They felt, the new people felt connected. Part of, part of why we never did that was space to some extent. But the other is we didn't want to maybe embarrass individuals. But you know what? We felt, no, we want to make you feel special. Some others stayed back and they connected. Now today... We want you to stay back and we want you to connect. So we bought pizzas. <laughs> We've got pizzas after service. <laughs> Hallelujah. We've got pizzas after service and we would love. We've got, we've got all of it. From pepperoni to gluten-free to vegetarian pizzas. So you, you, will have, you, will have, you will have no excuse to go unless you have an appointment. And you've got to go there, that's fine. But if you are in the practice of leaving and, and rushing out because, you know, you don't want someone to stop you uh, to chat, today we've locked the door. <laughs> so, so I want to give you, I want to give you 60 seconds now. You can leave now because it's still open. But beyond the 60 seconds, it's closed. So... 
and 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 to help you with that we want to provide you with we want to provide you with this pizza today because you know you know friends you can't you you can't necessarily and i've watched these movies right where you know uh, you you you're trying i mean did you watch you watch tarzan right he invites her in to eat with her and they're enemies but he's trying to probably win her over by giving her this amazing meal and she's not interested so you cannot have a meal with your enemy it just doesn't work they will never consume it but when you sit down and eat a meal with someone what happens your guard breaks down your wall comes down you know the analogy that i often like to use is, is when you come to church you come in you know we meet you the ushers meet you at the porch right out there when someone comes to your door you know that you're hugely welcome when they take you not just into the lounge and here's the clue but into the kitchen and give you a coffee cup of coffee or tea or something you're sitting there in that family room in the kitchen table and you're chatting if they are still keeping you in the lounge then the hint is you need to leave <laughs> maybe maybe but jokes aside you move from You know, I, I meet you at the door and I invite you in, we chat. But beyond that, what happens then? We move into a more intimate location, which is the kitchen area, where we begin to sit around the table over a meal, over something that is simple, and we begin to fellowship. We begin to interact. Yeah. We build. We build, we build. You know, I, I love the description because sometimes, you know, we, we talk about inviting people and all of that. And my wife is, you know, she's, if, if the only guilt that I can make her feel guilty about is, is that she always prepares a spread, right? She doesn't know how to do things with one or two items. It's always a spread. And so uh, whilst that's great, I want to encourage all of us to do this, that we don't need a spread necessarily. I I loved it when I went to one home and we asked what's this is really this is a really nice salad. What is this? Oh this is a what you can find in the fridge salad. <laughs> that's a great description. This is a what what you can find in the fridge salad, right? And and that's a good way of so you know you you you, you because to, to to fellowship I mean imagine these guys every day they had meals. If every day you had to do a spread man you'll be bankrupt. <laughs> no matter how much you share with one another it will create bankruptcy in your in 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 your in your household so when you can come up with what is in your pantry meal what is in your you know that sort of a thing kind of a just dish it out and just just serve it because the idea is and you know what i mean it is this whole connectedness it is this whole it is this whole coin it is this whole koinonia so sharing sharing common elements so and every time that i read this this passage of scripture here it says that there were there were there were some key elements here one is that they were mutually it mutually refers to sharing life being friends spending time with each other and working together for common goals the other was formation that's the other aspect of 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 this passage of scripture it was formation of faith which refers to really sharing the good news Yes. which you heard with with each other and with others outside of our faith community now the aspect of worship here 
when it says in this, in this passage of scripture, worship refers to coming together on Sunday at homes and in the temple, at homes and in the temple, at homes and in the temple, and other all other nominated days for prayer. Even grace praying before meals to invite that to know that's, that's, an, that's an amazing place. Service that it refers to sharing our time and our talents and treasure with those who are in, who are in need. So one, they devoted, faithfully devoted, committed themselves, fellowship, eating meals together and pray. Now, I want to quickly just share this from uh, Matthew. If you can go with me to Matthew chapter 18. Now, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, we understand this to be the Matthew 18 principle. In the aspect of fellowship, in fellowship, we begin to interact. We get to know one another. In, in relationship, you know, you, when you meet someone, when you begin to have this, this friendship, F-R-I-E-N-D, friendship, right? So you've got, you've, you've got this, you've got a, you've got a friend, you've, you've met someone, you've got this friendship, you come here, you meet someone. And then what happens is you have this, what we call, what I, what I refer to as a honeymoon period, where everything seems rosy and seems good. So it's, it's great, man. I, I just love meeting these people. I love coming to this church. I love this and that and everything. And then suddenly what happens? You have what I call pinch. So something happens in the relationship. And it is this, it's, it's this pinch that begins to happen. And you feel awkward. You don't want to see the person. I wish if I hadn't come here, I wish this and I wish that. Why? And, and, uh, and you read a text message and you begin to misunderstand what is being said. You read an email and you begin to misunderstand. And, and, and all of these things begin to happen. And what then, what, what are you then faced with? You're faced with either going beyond or going backwards. And so often people tend to go backwards and just leave and decide, no, I'm not going to address the issue. Or they, oops, or they go to someone else. I'm not having a lot of luck, isn't it? I'm having a pinch with this now. Uh, and, they, and they go to someone else. And so what happens? They go and they begin to share with another person about the issue. And you've heard me share this before. So, you know, this whole A, B, C issue. A has an, an issue with B. B 
then goes and shares with C. A and C have a really good relationship. But now, C begins to have this awkward sense with A because of what B has shared. And this is what we call vicarious anger. I'm carrying this anger on behalf of someone else. Now, A and B then now begins to resolve it. It's sorted out. But B forgets to tell C. And, and A is still upset with C. And C is now wondering, what did I do? Why is the person still upset with me? And that continues. And this is quite rife in church. But if we were to do this, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 15, let's look at this. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. So if you were to practice this first, go to the person. Now, this can be applied even in work. Do you go to your superiors? Oh, no, I, I, I don't. So I'll go, to some, I'll go sideways. You know, we don't practice what we call 360 leadership where I go up, down, sideways. We practice 180. We go either sideways. So you go to someone and you begin to share with that person. And then your boss begins to realize that, your superior. Then he begins to mediate and deal with, with the issue. And you find that things blow out of proportion. When, when the very first thing that could have happened was I go to someone and I begin to deal with that individual. Because when the, the word of the Lord says that when you win that brother over or sister over, it's settled. You know, we have to go around, you know, all these spot fires. How many of that you do that? I mean, we, we, look, within your family in itself it happens. Within church, it happens. Within your workplace, it begins to happen. But this is such a powerful, powerful uh, principle. So imagine that now being put into practice in this fellowship. So they devoted one another. They fellowship. They began to fellowship because in that fellowship, they were able to then relate to one another. Now, note, there were people who were already believers. So in this point in time, do you know what they did? They sold their assets. They shared what they had. And they lived in common with one another. Imagine a fellowship like that. Imagine what it would do to us here. That if we sold our assets and if we lived in common with one another. Now, today's message is not about you and I going and selling our assets and our property and all of that and bringing it here to the house of God so that we can disperse it out to everyone. No, today here is about a principle, not a method. Right. At that point in time, some people say it was a cultural thing. No, it was not a cultural thing because if it was a cultural aspect, why did Luke say they sold their possession? It was a new culture that was being established. And the new culture that was established was this. 
And that's the reason why there was a sense of awe that came over the people. So it was these new guys that had come to the Lord that had found, that, that had repented and now came to the Lord and they said this. This is, this, this is the kind of, Christ, this is the Jesus, this is the Christianity that I want to believe in now. This is what I want to live. I want to live this way. I want to live where I can now go out. And, 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 and fellowship with my brothers and sisters. Not come to church and say hi and then bye. And when someone shares with you an issue, he says, uh, you know, and then we zip away. It's about really intentionally taking time. Now ask yourself, how many of you at the end of service always go to two or three people that you know? And that's all you do. You've been here for two years. And you still mingle with two or three, maybe four or five. Make it six. (laughs) But there are way more. And why aren't we doing that? Why don't we invite people over? Why do we preach and believe in a Christianity and read the book of Acts and don't do this? And when someone asks you to describe church, then you say, I'm sick and tired of church. Oh, I'm tired of church. Why, why do we? You know, sometimes I get, when I, when I, when I go home, I just, and when the, and I think, oh, when I go home, is, is anyone going to be at home? I hope no one. You know, and I know we need to have boundaries. But sometimes I feel that's so selfish. That is such a selfish aspect for me. Because I'm self-absorbed. What about you? Are you, are you self-absorbed? Are you selfish? And yet we are believing and wanting to see the hand of God and the miracles of God begin to happen in our lives and in this church and in our place. But yet we are not willing to then now open our hearts, risk being hurt. Risk. Let's just say, if I'm moved to sell my asset, let's just say, okay? This is a let's just say. If I'm moved to move, sell my house and share that and give it away, the first thing that we'll be thinking, superannuation, do I have enough super? Uh, do I have, uh, what's my uh, uh, insurance policy? What's my life insurance policy? If something happens to me, then she's going to inherit. If something happens to her, then I'm going to inherit. Praise God. We can leave stuff for our kids and all of that. Let's say, if I come to you and I say, Lama, don't, don't worry. Don't bother to take any health insurance. Don't bother to take any life insurance. I will take care of you. I've got your back. Just teach me how to play soccer well. <laughs> But I've got your back. I go to someone else and I say that. Imagine what would that do to a community? And then when I'm 75, 80, 85, I've already sold everything. But Matthew 6 says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all things will be added unto you. Can I afford to believe that passage of of scripture and that promise? And function on that basis 
And if I die at 85 or 90, because I don't have food to eat or because I don't have a house to live because I've gone, become homeless, and I go and meet the Lord, wouldn't it be great to meet the Lord and say, I sold everything. I sold your kingdom. And I'm now here in this place. Do you think someone up there that went before you is going to say, what a fool, that guy. He could have enjoyed like how I enjoyed. No one's going to be saying that up there. They're going to be rejoicing. They're going to be clapping. They're going to be saying, man, well done, good and faithful servant. What if God is saying that? But I'm not saying that God is saying that for us to do. But even hypothetically, if that is the case, there is sufficient promise in Scripture to promise you and I this, that he will take care of our needs according to his riches in glory. So we can move out of being self-absorbed and consistently looking towards satisfying our needs and begin to now focus on being other-centered, being about someone else. You know, there were a couple of things I wanted to share with you about how to build community, the forming, the norming, the, you know, all of that. You know, Tuckman's in, in, in business, they use this, right? When we come together, what happens? Tracy, if you could, thank you. And, 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 and there is this, this, this hourglass aspect within the spectrum of marketing that they use, which is the first thing is, is it's this, uh, it's this, it's this as, aspect of your, of your product. What, what is it that people are keen to know? It's, it's this product information. What's our product information? How do we market this? How do we market your, your, your Christ? If I were to put it in that language, remove the whole spiritual side of things, which actually shouldn't be the case because whatever said and done, we are spiritual beings. But let me talk to you in layman's term. From a marketing standpoint, if you are to market your Christ, your relationship, your Christianity, what's the product information going to look like? What do they see? When people come here, why will we have repeated clients or customers? They only come back because they want, because they, they've tasted something that they enjoy, they like something that they see, then they want to come back. And then they come back. And a repeated customer then forms your community. So we move beyond the storming. Because within the context of storming is where we face this, 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 uh, uh, this, this Matthew 18 aspect. This rift, we have a disagreement, we have an argument. And when you go beyond the storming is when you begin to build a community that is able to turn around and say, I got your back. If something happens to you, I will care for your family. How many here can walk out of this place feeling that someone else in this congregation is going to do that? This is why. This is the reason why 
I said that I'm scared to preach this. Because this is what God calls us to. He doesn't call us to necessarily sell our goods. But he calls us to be able to share things. So the first thing you share, the first thing that you share is your heart. You share your heart with someone. Not being afraid that that person is going to take that and abuse it. Not being afraid that that person is going to take it and misuse it. And when you and I can afford to do that in this congregation, I mean, I can name, uh, you know, uh, needs here, there are, but I'm not going to today. I think it's great for us to find out, it's great for us to act upon it. And some of us, and, and some have. And we do, we do, please, we are not a church that doesn't. Right? We've got a new person in our midst. Lama and his family is going to be here soon. How do we engage him in community? How many of us know much about him? I've spent a lot of time with him. And I know. I know his heart. To an extent. I don't know what he's going to bring into our midst. But what about all of us? What about the others? I love the fact that there are some of you, some families gathered together for a meal at, some, at, at Romeo and, and uh, Rachel's place. And others have done that to some extent. But we want to do this collectively, church. So today, I want to invite you to do this. I want, you, I want to invite you to stay, please. If you have to really leave, then by all means, please do. But we will, we, we will close here. And you've got time to stay back and really fellowship. And if you're new, if you're new, you heard my wife share with you earlier. If you're new and if you're visiting us for the first or second time, we want you to come into what we call our visitor's lounge. And we want to really connect with you. We've got better coffee in there than outside. So at least, for, at least for that reason, please come into the visitor's lounge. Hallelujah. And come and, and, and really connect with us. But for the rest of us, if we can stay back today and do that. Now, moving forward from today, we're going to be changing our service time to 10 in the morning. 10 a.m. To include this. To include a time for you and I to come early enough to connect. When we had the Good Friday service, there were how many? At least 100 people? 125 people came at 10 o'clock for hot cross buns. 10.30, the door was open, but 125 people were here for hot cross buns. Today, we've got pizzas. Way better than hot cross buns. But you're not going to have that every Sunday uh, at 10 in the morning. But we've got stuff that we want to make available. But wouldn't it be great as, as a church family, we all kind of chip in? We all kind of just share stuff like that. You know, sometimes it's very hard to manage this. But again, 
we, we don't want to manage it, but we want to steward this. Yes. We want to steward this aspect, and we need everyone to be involved. If, you've, if, if you're not involved in terms of ushering or, in, or, or, or up here, you know, playing, playing music. I mean, I really, feel, I really felt for my daughter today under major pressure. She, she's asked me, Dad, how, how does breathe go? How does breathe go? How does the song go? She's suddenly bl- blank, right? So I had to just sing her the tune. And also because we, I, I think we started on a different key too. So she's trying to, she, she's trying to figure out where, where is this? It's not in, it's, it's in another key, it's in another key. So, you know, but, but if you're not in one of those sort of areas where you feel, oh, you don't want to be, you know, in that. We, we, need, we need people to stay back and connect. We need people to bring some food. It could be biscuits, it could be uh, chips, it could be, it doesn't need to be a major cooked meal or anything like that. Right, so if you come in at 10, begin to fellowship. There's coffee, there, there'll be bickies, there'll be other things that will help create this vibe. You know, I visited the church that I used to work at, Chris and I, we went there. And, and they, got a seat, they, they got a place there for about 200, 250 people to stay back. And, and every week they have almost that number of people just staying back and eating and up till three o'clock. Just staying there, just fellowshipping. We've got a smaller space, but we can still have people stay back. As long as you leave by 2.30 because we've got a Mandarin service. <laughs> That's gonna start, sorry? Oh, join the Mandarin service. You know, you can be a missionary to China, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God, you know? But that's the church we wanna, we wanna encourage. That's the church of Acts chapter two, verse 42 to verse 47. That's the church of Acts, yes. right? And it's a church where Christians, where they, they, they're new guys that came to the Lord and they're teaching what it means now. For us oldies, believe me, it's gonna be difficult, but it's doable. It's doable. Can we commit to this church? Can we? Yes. Hallelujah. Thank you. I know it's gonna take time for this to happen, but 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 let's 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 try and move beyond you know self let's move beyond excuses reasons that we feel are legitimate let's move beyond that and embrace the word of god hallelujah why don't you stand with me hold someone by their hands grab someone and 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 you know what just just in your own way, just begin to pray for that person, please. Yeah, you can, yes, go and join, join Krista. Go across the aisle, that's great. Uh, hold someone across the aisle as well. Don't let, uh... come on, come on, Ian, that's good. Thank you, praise God. Everyone, everyone's connected, hallelujah. Praise God, now begin to, begin to just pray for the person beside you, in front of you, behind you, anything, just, just, you know, Pray in your heart, pray aloud, with whatever, whatever way you feel comfortable, you know. And maybe ask the Lord to help you see, God, what is it that I can share? Is there a particular skill that I have that I can share with someone? Is there a particular talent that I have that I can share with someone and build that person up? Is there some time that I can give? These are practical aspects. That I can give my time. I can give a listening ear. 
I can give some food. Maybe I can even bless financially. What, whatever it is. Because I dare say this. You do it as per a principle of the kingdom of God. You will not lack. You may get tested on it. And not me. You will get tested on it. But if you persevere through. You're going to receive an overflowing aspect. It's going to overflow. And watch and see how people are then going to be added into this community. Thank you, Jesus.